Imagine this. Imagine that you are at your local church and it's Sunday morning and everyone is hanging out and having a good time. Praising the Lord. People are raising their hands. It's like a really, really good band is there that Sunday. And just so everybody's into the worship. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's just worshiping. And it's amazing. And everyone's praising God. And then imagine you step outside those church doors and you head out onto the local street corner. And the same people who were in church that day the same people who are raising their hands and praising the Lord are now actually on the street saying, hail Satan, <laughs> saying, hail the dark Lord Satan. And they're worshiping Satan and, and they're openly sleeping with prostitutes on the street corner and they're sacrificing babies. They're lighting babies on fire. Wouldn't that be kind of intense? Would it? <laughs> yeah, that'd be like really intense. You'd be like, this is so bizarre and it sounds crazy, but the reality is that is the world of the prophet Jeremiah. That is literally the world that he lived in. He was an Israeli priest who served in the temple during the final days of the kingdom of southern Judah. And the stuff I was describing is literally, guys, literally the kind of stuff that was going on in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah was a priest. He would see people come to the temple, offer their sacrifices, worship the Lord, and then step out on the street corner and sacrifice their children to false gods on the street corner because they thought the false gods could bring them rain and fertility and all of these things. It was this dark time. I think of the kingdom of Pan Am in Hunger Games, a society that was so depraved that killing children was considered normal. It was a kingdom where everyone says they follow God, but in reality, their actions flow from the darkest part of the human heart. And the book of Jeremiah is a story about God speaking into this dark culture through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says many things. He warns about idolatry. He talks about social injustice. He talks about forsaking the covenant, a warning that Babylon is gonna come and destroy them as punishment. And this happens over the course of 52 chapters. But today we're gonna just zoom in on two verses because even though it's a really small part of a much larger message, I think God has much to say to us in just these two verses. So look in Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 24. Jeremiah is this wild-haired, bushy-beard prophet standing on the street corner, talking into a dark culture, and here's what he says. Verse 23. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Now stop right there. Like, what do we, what do we see in the text right there? It, it, what do we see? Like, what is he talking about? Anybody? Don't what? Boast, right. So we could make this easily, we could so easily make this a moralistic message. We could just be like, okay, yeah, obviously the point of the text today is don't be prideful and don't be a jerk and don't boast. But you see, Jeremiah is actually getting at something much deeper. There's a reason why he's talking about boasting. And my first point of only two points is this. The thing Jeremiah is getting at is idolatry is a false hope. Really, when he's standing on the street corner, he's making this, this, this statement to not boast in your riches or your power or all of these things, your wisdom. He's making a cultural critique to the people. Because why do people brag about how smart, strong, and rich they are? 
Bragging flows from an insecurity because we believe that we're not enough. So we try to find security in our idols, our smarts, our riches, our strength, our money. Have you ever noticed that the people in your school who seem to brag the most are also the most people who seem to be insecure? Have you noticed that? The people who seem to talk themselves up the most often are the ones who have the most to prove. I had a friend named Jeremy growing up, and he was always bragging about his luck with girls, just always like, dude, me and this girl, oh my gosh, dude, me and this girl, and one day I was just like, dude, I don't think I've ever actually seen you interact with a woman before, (laughs) like, do you even know how to talk to girls? Like, you talk this big game, and in reality, it was this insecurity. He made up stories about himself to seem better than he actually was, and that's the nature of our Instagram culture. We idolize the fame and fortune of others, and so we sell a fake and filtered idea of our life to other people. We put our hope in this. If I can just convince everyone that my life is as glamorous as the Kardashians, then I can truly have security. And it's this vicious cycle that leads to anxiety and self-obsession. And I speak, as an ex- I speak from experience as a former YouTube star during the early days of YouTube. Our channel got up to a really big amount of views. And I found myself living for the affirmation that came with every like, comment, and subscribe. In the end, it led to nothing. It was completely empty. It was an idol that brought me no joy. And now the YouTube community considers us to be washed up has-beens. We posted a video uh, two years ago to see if anyone would care and it got like 200 views in six months. So washed up has-been. And the reality is idolatry, having our boasting in our strength, in our wisdom, in our athletic ability, in our education, in our talents, in any of these things, it's really like I mentioned a few Wednesday nights ago. It'd be like if you're drowning and, and you're, you feel like you're going to sink and all of a sudden, you know, a boat drives by and you're like, hey, I need to be saved. And the guy in the boat's thinking, okay, I'm gonna throw you a life jacket, but you say, throw me the bowling ball. And the guy in the boat's like, what are you talking about? And you're like, no, listen, I need the bowling ball. Throw it to me. The reality is you can have the most hardcore faith in that bowling ball, like just religious, intense, like this bowling ball will save me. But in reality, if they throw you the bowling ball, will it save you? No, you'll sink. Because faith doesn't save you, the object in which you put your faith in saves you. And so that brings me to my second point. True hope comes from knowing Christ. Idolatry is a false hope, but true hope comes from knowing Christ. Look at verse 24. Here's what Jeremiah says. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have an understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. This This is so good. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying the only one thing we should be bragging about is knowing God. And for us, that means knowing Christ, knowing Jesus. Most of us, I mean, let me ask you, if your favorite celebrity wanted to take a selfie with you, like, would you do it? Would you raise your hand? Your favorite celebrity, yeah? Yeah, we'd be stoked if our favorite celebrity wanted to hang out with us we would be so excited to take that selfie and post it and boast to everyone about this celebrity that we now know. 
But think about this. We have the opportunity to be with Jesus, to know him deeply. And for many of us, myself included, it becomes such a common thing that we don't boast about it. We're not excited and passionate about our relationship with the Lord. This is what he says. He says this um, in the next verse, or in uh, verse 24. Read this again. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. Here's what he's saying. This is, this is why we should boast in the Lord. He says kindness, justice, and righteousness are his trademarks. That's who Yahweh is. That's who our God is. If, if you ask the question, who is Yahweh? The response would be kindness, justice, and righteousness. That is his identity. And I love that word kindness. It's actually one of my favorite Hebrew words. It's chesed. It's one of my absolute favorite Hebrew words. That's the name of our nonprofit. It's Hesed Creative. And people are like, what's that word? Is it he said creative? I don't know why I do a Southern accent whenever I talk about somebody who's ignorant. I'm going to the South. I should probably get rid of that habit so I don't offend people. <laughs> um, it's just the Californian in me. But um, Hesed, it's this word that means kindness. And don't think about you know, being polite and opening doors for old ladies. The word is so packed. Hesed means covenant faithfulness. Basically, here's what that means. Just not to get technical, here's what covenant faithful means. It means God is dedicated to save his people even though they fail a million times. Jeremiah is preaching this message during a time that the Israelites are sacrificing their children. And even in all of that darkness, what is God's message? He says to the people, I will remain faithful even when you are not. I will fix this because you don't have to because you can't. That's God's message. God always had a plan from day one in the garden. Adam and Eve screw up. They mess up. What does God say? These stupid humans, I'll go make new ones. No, he says, I will save them. Jeremiah wrote his words before he even knew about the cross. Before the cross was even in the picture, he wrote, God's identity is faithfulness. He will be faithful. And now from our vantage point where we stand seeing the cross, we understand what that meant. It meant Jesus. It always meant Jesus. And right here in a dark moment in Israel's history, Jesus inserts himself into the darkness through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the writing of the scriptures. And he reminds Israel, I am a king who is coming, a king building building and bringing righteousness and justice. And when I do, you will no longer sacrifice your children. You will love them just as I love you as a loving father. In your darkest moments of sin, listen, listen, in your darkest moments of sin, know that Jesus has pledged himself to be faithful even when you're not. This hope comes from knowing Jesus. And when we know him and understand him, we can take pride and find security in that relationship. <clears throat> and listen, some of you guys are here today and you hear that idea of knowing Jesus and you, you think, man, that sounds so great, but I can't know him the way you know him, Pastor Aaron. Or I can't know him the way that my parents know him. I can't know him the way that super spiritual kid in my class knows him. I am just, I, I'm, I'm uneducated, or I'm in sin right now. I'm backsliding, I'm messing up. Listen, Jesus makes no expectation on you for how you are to know him. He just says, come be with me. Just spend time with me you would be super surprised to see 
how wide God's love is. He doesn't look at you and think, oh, like, if you really want to love me, you have to go to Bible college and, and graduate and, and get some master of divinity degree, and then you're a master of divinity, and you master the divine. That's such a weird name for a, a degree. <laughs> like, I feel like once you become a master of divinity, you should start, like, floating and shooting lightning bolts or something. But anyway, sorry, no one in the room knows what I'm talking about except probably Matt. But anyway, um, what I'm saying, though, is God loves you so much, and it's this unconditional love. And here's, here's my challenge to you. Maybe you find yourself just like the Israelites, walking into church on Sunday, your hands are up in worship, and then on Monday, your hands are busy doing the work of the enemy, and your heart is busy sacrificing to the idols you worship because you think that they'll give you security. Can I encourage you today? Idolatry is a false hope, but true hope comes from simply knowing Christ. And listen, on your worst day, Jesus is dedicated to continue to work to make you more like him. Let go of those idols and cling to Jesus. Experience his kindness, his justice, and righteousness. He offers it for free. He's the God who was not willing to live without you, so he died for you. Cling to him, and you'll have all the security you'll ever need. So that's my message. Told you to be short, right? It's like shortest message ever. And now I've got just some other things to say to you. Um, and, and that is, man, I love you guys. And I hate saying goodbye. It's really, man, good, goodbyes are stupid. Like, <laughs> I don't like them. I, I wish that um, there was a way to just make things stay the same but still change but just still, I mean, I, I just wish I could be here every week. I wish I could build a Narnia closet that teleported me anywhere in the world. So it's like I could just you know, boop, 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 like put in a little uh, coordinate and then all of a sudden I'd be in Oklahoma and then I'd be in Ireland or England and then I'd be back here. Like I wish I could literally just divide my week between the people that I love um, because you guys are definitely a part of that. Brooklyn and I love you guys. We're, we're family. Um, we didn't all have the same moms unless we, we did. Like, did we? Like, <laughs> just kidding. That'd be weird. No, we did not have the same moms um, or mom singular. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I don't have a script. This is why notes are very important. I'm just trying to speak from the heart. Um, we're family, not because we have the same parents, but because we're united about Jesus. And some of you guys here, you've been in the youth group since sixth grade. Some of you guys, you're new additions, but no matter how long you've been here, you're part of this family. Uh, and not just this youth group family, but this church family, and not just this church family, but the body of Christ. We're connected to the international, global family of Jesus Christ. And my greatest joy as a youth pastor, guys, has just been seeing you guys grow. I've seen you guys grow so much. Man, I, I look around this room and I see so many of you, and, and I'm just, I'm proud of every single one of you. Um, so many of you guys, I've seen you step out of your comfort zone and go witnessing on the street, talking to strangers about Jesus. And I know there's like a few of you guys who are like super jazzed about that and like, oh yeah, let's go do it right now. But I know for a lot of you guys that was really scary and it, it like freaked you out, and I'm very proud of you for doing that. Um, I've seen some of you guys over the years lead small groups, even at a young age, uh, at camps and around here during times where we didn't really have adult leaders around. Um, some of you guys I've seen just this passion for the Lord grow seemingly out of nowhere. And I look at it, and I'm like, I didn't have anything to do with that. That's completely the Lord growing that in you and, and making this genuine passion for Jesus and loving him and serving other people. And 
you know, I've also seen some of you guys over the years make mistakes. I've seen every single one of you guys make mistakes for the most part, and you've seen me make mistakes, but the thing that I've loved is that a lot of you guys have really grown to the point where you've taken responsibility for those mistakes and owned up to them and kind of grown out of that junior high thing where it's like everything is everyone else's fault, but instead like, like growing as young men and women and saying like, man, I'm gonna learn from my mistakes and I'm gonna get up when I fall and take Jesus's hand and keep moving forward. And there's a lot of things I've tried to teach you guys over the years, but the most important thing is this, like the key to life is the way of Jesus. It's following Jesus. It's knowing him. Um, if you have thought of me as your teacher at any point in your life, don't. Jesus is your teacher. Um, I am literally just the guy who is like, I'm like the TA in the class who's delivering the assignment and uh, the, the message. Um, Jesus is our teacher, and he has so much he wants to teach you. Like, I've said this before when we did our Never Stop Learning series a few weeks ago, but literally when I was your age, I thought I had it all figured out, and now I'm almost 30, and I realize there's so much I still don't know, and every day it's just, Jesus, teach me, teach me, teach me. Please. Like, <laughs> when I was 17, where I was with the Lord is so different than where I am now, and to me that's exciting because I know 10 years from now where I'm gonna be with the Lord is gonna be so much different as well. The reality, I was just talking with, uh, I was sitting with Bradley Planzik at Chick-fil-A because he, he gives sweet discounts and because uh, he works there. And we were having lunch and we were talking about this growth thing. And the exciting thing, guys, is you will grow. Like, I want you to know that. If you're here and you're struggling and you feel like you're like in a spiritual rut and you feel like you're not growing, listen, Jesus is in the business of growing Christians. And you don't have to grow yourself. Jesus does the growing for you. You just have to submit to what he's already doing. And I just wanna encourage you guys, as you walk with Jesus, you will grow. It's going to happen. It's in the Bible. He says, I will be faithful to complete the work I began in you. And I just want you guys to know that. Like, growth is coming. New experiences are coming. Change is coming in your life, and it's gonna be such a good thing. Don't be afraid of it. Like, when you sense, even maybe today, you're sensing that God is trying to do some things in your life to grow you, and it's frustrating because change is hard and things are difficult, just give in to what he's doing in your life because that growth, you will never regret growing. If you're here and you don't think of Jesus as like a mentor and a master and a friend, please like shift your thinking. If any of you are here today and Jesus is just the guy that your parents want you to learn about on Sundays, please, I beg you, shift your perspective and realize that Jesus is what life is all about. Following Jesus, learning. Like, I used to read the Gospels and I thought like, oh, I've read those before. Why do I need to read them again? Go back and read a Gospel. <laughs> Go back and read Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and John and pay attention what is Jesus doing in this chapter? What are his disciples doing? How can I be like Jesus? How can I learn from Jesus? Read the rest of the Bible and look for Jesus in the pages of every single chapter, Old Testament or New. This everything, this, what this youth group has always been about underneath all the pizza and the games and the home fellowships and the laser tags and the broom balls and all that stuff, and all-nighters, oh my gosh, all-nighters. <laughs> Sorry I didn't do any recently, I got old. Um, but, um, you know, 
underneath all that, it's always been about Jesus. That's what this is all about. It's never been about like daycare. It's never been like, oh, parents, like you can drop your kids off here and they can hang out with us. Like, no, it's always been about following and knowing Jesus deeper. And honestly, guys, I'm excited for you because as high schoolers, you are like, you're like Bilbo Baggins about to leave the Shire. Like Gandalf is coming and he's like, uh, what does he say? I only know, you shall not pass, but he's, he's coming to you and he's, he's inviting you on this journey. Jesus is inviting you to step outside the comfort zone of everything you've known your entire life. Like, things are gonna change. Like, you're gonna leave high school and the friends that you had, you're gonna you know, drift apart. You'll keep some, but um, things will change. You're, the things that you thought that you would do growing up, that's gonna change, but but Jesus is saying to look beyond all that, beyond friends, beyond career, beyond college and all that, that's all important. But he is inviting you as a young person to step out onto a journey of following Christ and becoming your own person, discovering who you are as a Jesus follower. And some of you guys, you're, you're there, you've discovered that, you're secure in your identity, like you know who you are and what God has called you to be. Others of you, if we're honest, your Christianity is very tied into your parents. And it's very tied into like, my mom raised me Christian, so therefore like I am Christian. Or like, my dad really wanted me to follow Jesus, so like that's why I go to church. And Jesus is inviting you today to shift your perspective and say, man, Jesus, I don't wanna know who does my dad want me to be. I don't wanna know who does my mom want me to be. I don't wanna know who my grandparents want me to be. Jesus, I wanna know who do you want me to be? Who are you making me into? Who are you shaping and forming me into? Because high school is really, it's really hard. Like, it's a really hard time. There is so much, like, gossip and backbiting and pressures. I've been talking to some of you guys about, like, your schools that you go to. Some of you guys even go to, like, Christian schools, but, like, you feel like no one there actually acts like a Christian, and it's just super gnarly and super hard, and, and I get that. It's like, this is a really hard time period of life, and you're doing all this work. You're doing all this work, but like no one pays you for it. It's like the worst, right? Like all these assignments and tests, and it's like, like a paycheck sounds really nice, but you don't get it. It's like, you're, this is what you're forced to do. This is your life right now. Um, some of you guys are getting really depressed. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> high school is really hard. Um, you know, one of my many failures as a youth pastor has been, I've never been good about really uh, reiterating the vision of what this even means. <laughs> um, some of you guys are like, oh, I guess Aaron really likes boats or something. Um, here's why the name Hope's Anchor. And it'll probably change. I, I told our, our new youth pastor, you know, if, if when you come in, like, do whatever you want, change whatever you want. I think it's awesome. Change is good. But um, for now, just to remember why we did this, the reason that we switched to Hope's Anchor is because in the storms of life, like in high school, you were going through so many storms, so many changes. Some of you guys have been through gnarly stuff with your family. Some of you guys have been through gnarly heartbreaks. Some of you guys have been through incredible challenges at school. All of those winds and waves tend to want to sweep you out into the wilderness, just pull you away from God, pull you away from family. Some of you guys are here today and you're there. Like you've been pulled out already. You've been separated from this relationship with God in the sense that you've just, you, you've bought into the lie of the enemy in high school has, the, the culture and the lifestyle has just pulled you away. But the, the thing I want you to remember is that Jesus is the anchor of the soul. 
Like when ships would be being pulled in all these directions, once they dropped the anchor, there was weight to it and it would hit the ground and it would keep them there. It would keep them where they were supposed to be. It would keep them safe in the storm. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is hope's anchor. He anchors our hope. Everything in our life, every challenge that we go through, Jesus is the one who keeps us safe in all those storms. That's the meaning of it. And here's something I want to say to you guys. I just think this is really important because my generation, I look at adults my age and I see what social media is doing to them. I can't even imagine how hard it is for you guys. Um, here's just something I want to remind you about. Social media isn't real. It's all an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. It's, it's people trying to fake their best life. And like, if you look at the Kardashians, like that's not normal. Like that's not normal life. Like Kanye West, like he's, it's not normal life. All these guys, like it's not, that's not normal. That's not reality. And it, it looks like it is. And you look at it and you think, I want to be like that. That's what I want my life to be. But none of those people are actually like really, truly happy. Um, if they don't have Jesus, there's no true, it's just this constant quest for more. More likes, more affirmation, more fulfillment. And in the end, when all that stuff is gone, <laughs> when you're, uh, you know, 90 years old living in a senior citizen home or something, like none of that stuff's gonna matter. But what will matter is who was Jesus to you in your life? Jesus's reality. Remember that as you live your life. Like Jesus is what reality is all about. If you're here today and you feel like, man, I don't know anything about Jesus. Like, talk to me. <laughs> like, please, like, let me know. Let's talk about it. Let's pray together. And then, like, let's get you some stuff, some books, some podcasts, some YouTube series, like something that'll just ignite your mind and heart towards Jesus. I wanna help you guys with that. There's, there's no secret formula. But I can tell you in my life, anything I've ever chosen to keep my focus on Jesus has been the best thing for me. And uh, some of you guys, this is from an old message I did years ago, but um, this is just something I think is very true. The, <laughs> the Christian life a lot of times seems like this very narrow, narrow road. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, like, hey, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's a narrow road. Take the narrow gate. But we think of it like... Um, and I'm sorry I'm using the same illustrations I've always used, but again, I've been here for like over 10 years. So yeah, it's hard to think of new stuff. But here's what I'll say. Disneyland. How many of you guys like the lines? Anybody? There's like no one. No one. That's true. Lines can be fun with who you're with. But if you're, I mean, the Cars ride is the best ride there. Anyone agree? Cars ride? Yeah, it's so fast. It's a, no? What do you like, Stefan? Teacups? Cool. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, finding, finding Neverland. Is there a ride? Oh, Peter Pan. Cool. Anyway, I love the Cars ride. Me and Brooklyn love the Cars ride. But the line is so long. And you're there in line and you're just like, this is hell on earth. It's terrible. Like, just, I don't want to look at these bottles encrusted into the wall. Like, I just want to get on the ride. And a lot of times that's like how people your age, and actually everyone really, that's how we view the Christian life. We think like this life is the line and it's this really narrow, you know how like narrow those lines are? It's like not wide. You're like shoved in this narrow, just line of people waiting to go on this ride. That's how we think of the Christian life. It's just very narrow and it's like you're constricted. You can't do anything you wanna do. And then eventually you get to heaven and like that's the ride. 
but then life is just very constricted. Guys, that's not the way Jesus ever intended you to live your life. The reality is, Jesus has entered by the narrow gate. It is very narrow because it's exclusive. It's saying Jesus is the only way. Like it's not Jesus and Buddha, Jesus and uh, Instagram. It's not like any of these, it's just Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that can save you. But here's the thing, once you enter through that narrow gate, it opens up to a world that is wider than you ever could have imagined. The Christian life, when lived to the fullest, is so full of love and joy. I look at my life and I think of what if I never had Jesus? What if I just was living for myself and money and pleasure and I just, it is a nightmare to think of what my life would be like without Christ. But living for Christ has opened up my life in such a way that like, it just, oh, it, it's, it's amazing. Like guys, it's honestly, it's a dream come true. I, I, I've woken up every single day for the last decade and been like, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to hang out with these guys on Sundays and Wednesdays and at the school when we had the school and at camps. Like, I, it's just been phenomenal to, to do what God is calling you to do. I've never regretted it once and neither has Brooklyn. And guys, God is calling you not to follow in my footsteps and do the exact same thing I did. Maybe, maybe someone in here, possibly one day, but, uh, or, or maybe, maybe many of you guys could, could do something like this. But the reality is, regardless of that, Jesus is calling you to follow him. And for you, that's gonna look different than it did for me, but it's gonna open up your world to something much wider that's much more full of love and joy and serving others and, and fulfillment. And change can be hard. Some of you guys probably secretly are like, praise the Lord, this guy has been here for a million years. But, um, and I have been here for a million years, but they've been a good million years. The new guy coming in, his name's Aaron Savio. For those of you guys who didn't see the Instagram post, he spoke a couple weeks ago, not the week where we had like a million people in here that we didn't know, but it was like the, the week before that where it was just us. And um, I th man, me and my wife are so excited about this guy. It's weird that he has a very similar name to me, Aaron Savio, Aaron Salvato. Um, and he looks like me if I worked out, which is cool. <laughs> um, but actually, no, he doesn't look like me at all. <laughs> Not at all. But see, that's a good thing. Change is rad. And change can be hard, but man, this guy coming in, I'm so excited about him because I sat down with him and I got lunch with him and I asked him his heart about youth ministry and he just has such a rad heart. He has such a rad heart to see young people rise up and serve the Lord. He has such a heart to see people who are young be the family of God and, and, and love each other as family. And just, he has experience. He's, he's been a youth pastor himself for many years. Um, he's worked with, he runs this program called On the Edge, which is like helping troubled teenagers who are going through really gnarly stuff. Um, they bring them in for this program, and it's basically like, um, they just get them on the right track. Like, I just, I love this guy. And I have so much confidence that him and Matt are gonna do such a good job running this group. Um, like, I'm leaving with just this sense of like, yes. Like, I'm not like, what's gonna happen to my babies? Like, <laughs> it's not like that. It's like, yes. Like, I'm, I'm so excited for, for newness and, and change. And, you know, you guys have heard me for a long time. And as I've 
grown as a Christian and as a pastor, God has given me different perspectives. But you know what? With, with a new leader, you're gonna get new perspectives. And there's gonna be things maybe that I didn't focus on and maybe I focused on this stuff but not some of these things. You're gonna get some of that stuff now. And, and that's a big part of change that's really great. You see, um, we are not called to follow one person and look at one person and say like, oh, he is my teacher. Um, there's actually a thing in the Bible about this where they were fighting in, in the book of Acts and after that where um, people were like, oh, I like Paul, I like Peter, I like Apollos, he's my teacher, he's my teacher. And Paul's just like, that's stupid. Like, there's so many amazing people in the body of Christ that God has put to teach us. We should be able to learn from everyone and receive from everyone because really, it's not those people who are speaking, it's Jesus speaking through them. And I am so honored that Jesus has allowed me um, to have him speak through me to you for so many years. And now I'm so excited that Jesus is gonna speak through Aaron, Aaron Savio, and Matt, uh, and any other leaders that he brings in. And I just wanna encourage you guys, please be servants. When the new guy shows up, um, don't, don't just hang, like show up to, you know, go up to the new youth pastor, Aaron, and be like, dude, how can I help you? How can I serve? Do you need help with chairs? Do you need help with like setting up coffee and cookies and all that stuff? Do you need help with like any of this stuff? I wanna help. S serving is something that is life-changing and, and we're called as the church not to just sit around but to serve. And here's something I really wanna like share with you guys, honestly, because I really think some of you guys need to hear this. I've been saying this for years, but I just really wanna reiterate this. Guys, you're so loved. Like not just by me, you're so loved by Jesus. You're so, so loved by him, regardless of anything you've ever done. Some of you guys are here today and you don't feel loved by God because of your sin. Because of the mistakes you've made, you feel separated from him, but in reality, he has not changed how he feels about you one bit. Maybe you're here today and you've even changed how you feel about him. Maybe you've doubted him. Maybe you're kind of wishy-washy about him. Maybe you don't really wanna be involved with him because you know to be involved with him means that you'd have to repent and leave your sin. You know what? Regardless of how you feel about God, it doesn't change how he feels about you. He's so in love with you. He's so passionate about you. He was the God who is not willing to live without you, so he went to the cross and died for you so that you could live. And he, he is all about just getting to know you. He is all about, like, he wants to be your friend. He wants a friendship with you. He wants that to grow and deepen over the years. And it's this free gift. And he's just put it out on the table. And he's like, here it is. You just have to take it. It's right here for you. And, you know, we try so hard to earn God's favor. I don't know about you, but, like, I try to earn God's favor sometimes. Like, I think, like, man, if I just, like, read my Bible this many times a week, then God will, like, really like me. Or, or if I just, you know, serve this many times, or if I just, you know, for you guys, it's like if I just do my homework and get good grades, and if I get straight A's and I get into that college, like then God will love me. That's so silly that we try to earn his love. Can you imagine if you bought someone a gift? You know, like you're like, here, I got you an iPad, you know? And, and that person that you give it to is like, oh my gosh, I have to earn this. Like, oh my gosh, I am gonna wake up at 5 a.m. and like call you every morning and talk to you for an hour be like, dude, I don't even want you to do that. Like, please don't call me every morning and talk to me. Um, that's a bad example because God would love to talk to you anytime. But you know what I mean? Like, we try to earn God's favor. It'd be like getting the iPad and just being like, I am going to 
just every day do something nice for you. And I'm going to, before I eat my meals, I'm going to like say a little prayer to you and be like, bless this food and I love you. And you'd be like, hey, that's great. Like, I love that you want to tell me that you love me, but you don't need to do that to earn this iPad. Like, I just, I'm just giving it to you because I love you. Like, that's just the reality of it. Some of you guys need to hear this today because the reality is, we're Christian kids growing up in a Christian culture, and sometimes that gets legalistic. And sometimes the people around us, whether it's our parents or our pastors or our teachers at Bible school or whatever, um, it turns into legalism, and we think we have to earn God's love. And the reality is you don't have to earn it. It's right there for you. And here's the amazing thing about God's love is actions flow out of love. Actions are not the requirement of love. Okay, did you get that? Like, you don't have to do anything to earn God's love, but once you really tap into God's love, that's when your heart becomes on fire for Jesus and you start wanting to serve him and love him and follow him, not because you're trying to earn his favor, but just because you love him. Like my wife, I love my wife so much. She's the most amazing person in the world. She literally changed my life. When Jesus brought her into my life, it was like I went from being this Weird guy. Like, I literally was known as the weird counselor in the youth group. Just, like, really long emo hair and just, like, super weird and insecure and just, like, not sure of myself and, and very unconfident and just very crazy and just needy for attention and all this stuff. And when, when God brought my wife into my life, it literally changed my world. And I just, man, I'm so thankful that God did that. Um, but for my wife, like, I don't, I don't do things for her because I think it'll make her like me more. I already know that she likes me. Like she stood in front of a crowd and exchanged rings and, and vows and she said that she loved me. And because of that love, I'm compelled to wanna do things for her because I just love her. And, and I mean, like imagine some of you guys, like imagine that you this is really lame to imagine, but imagine you ended up in like an arranged marriage, you know? And you don't even, like girls, imagine like you don't even know this guy. Your parents and his parents are just like, yep, like the date's set next Saturday. It's gonna be great. <laughs> You're like, oh, cool, my life is over. Um, and you end up in this arranged marriage, but then like you don't really know the person. And then all of a sudden it's like you don't even get to see them. You just show up on Sundays and Wednesdays and some guy talks about your spouse, like, oh, let me tell you about Jerry. Yeah, Jerry's great. He's so cool. Like, here's five points about why Jerry's great. But you're not spending time with Jerry and your arranged marriage, you know? And so you don't get to know him. And so it's like, do you want to do nice things for Jerry? Girls, do you want to do nice things for Jerry? No, you're like, who the heck is Jerry? <laughs> like, that's how our relationship with God is sometimes because it feels like this arranged marriage that our parents set up years ago. Like, I'm just being real. Like sometimes our relationship with God feels like this arranged marriage thing that our parents arranged for us. And so we don't wanna serve God and do things for him because we feel like we don't know him. And I just wanna encourage you guys, seriously, allow yourself to fall in love with Jesus. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, if you're here today and your relationship with Jesus feels like this arranged thing that your parents set up, open up your heart to Jesus. Not to get saved, you're already saved, but open up your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I wanna fall in love with you. Help me fall in love with you again. Maybe you were in love with Jesus like back in middle school when you were like in sixth grade. Um, I remember this years ago, there was this one girl who, um, you know, she 
growing up, had a lot of rough patches, and you know, just as like many of you guys um, who have experienced this, as you get older, your heart starts to harden a little bit. So there was this one girl, well, that was her experience, like her heart started to harden as she got older. But I remember in sixth grade, she was at a camp, and I, it was like after worship, and I was like, hey, how you doing? And she just like started sobbing, and she was like, I need to respect my mom more. And it was just like this very sweet, tender thing. Some of you guys, you had that tenderness when you were younger, but now you're older, and you see the world through a different lens, and you're a little bit wiser, a little bit more you know what sin is a little bit more than you used to. You're not as naive and you've experienced sin, the pleasures of sin and, and it's attractive and God doesn't seem as big and amazing as he once was. If that's you, please know that it doesn't have to stay this way. Like you can fall back in love with Jesus. He's waiting with open arms saying, hey, come back to me. Allow yourself to fall back in love with me. I, my life as a Christian and even as a pastor has been a roller coaster of falling in love with Jesus and then like kind of going through a season where I was focused on myself a little bit more and then rediscovering Jesus and falling back in love with him. It's, that is a big part of the Christian life. And if you're here today and you're on this part of the journey, you're, you're down and maybe you're not as passionate about God as you once were, just wait. Because all it takes is you saying to God, hey, I'm open, please catch my heart on fire again, and he brings that back. And that's my heart for some of you guys. My heart for you guys is that you'd find your own spiritual rhythm, that you'd, you'd discover that you don't need to be your parents. You don't need to have your devotions the same way that your parents did. You can be your own Christian. For some of you guys, you don't even like, like reading is really hard for you but you could go for a walk and listen to like an audio Bible or a podcast and just pray. Like Jesus doesn't put himself in a box and say, you have to spend time with me this way. Just I'm, I'm passionate about people your age breaking out of these boxes that we make for ourselves and just truly experiencing Jesus. He's just, he's waiting to be experienced. Our life is not about our story, but it's about God's glory. And here's something else I'll say to you too. If any of you guys have not realized this, just being in this room, listening to me teach, I wanna say it. God has room for your doubts. If you're here today and you struggle with doubts and you have questions about God and struggles, like he is not gonna cast you aside because of that. He's not gonna say, oh, I'm done with you because you asked a question because you doubted me. God is so big that he can handle your doubts. Always be willing to ask questions. When the new youth pastor comes, ask him questions. Like, if there's things that you struggle with, if there's things where you're like, I don't understand how a good God could do this, like, don't hold that inside because that doubt will turn into disbelief. Some of you guys maybe are even here today and you're carrying disbelief because you never dealt with your doubts. Bring your doubts to good Christian friends who love you, who can speak into those doubts. Because in high school and college, it's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to lose your way. It's really easy, and I've seen this with people who've graduated. I've seen where in youth group they felt like they had a family and a connection and a place to serve, and now they're out of youth group, and it's like they try to go in the sanctuary, but they're like, I don't really fit in there. Maybe I'll go to this other church. Like, I don't know, and they just kind of float. Listen, I wanna really encourage you. This time of your life, it's really easy to get lost in all the busyness, but the best thing you can do is fall in love with Jesus and then serve. Serve the Lord. Find a way, even if it's just in your own home with your family, find a way to say, not, I'm doing these dishes because my mom got annoyed at me. Like, 
That's not going to bless anybody. But if you say, Jesus, I'm a servant of you in my home. I'm going to do these dishes because I know it would bless you. Man, that is kingdom building stuff, and it will change your life. Seriously, the kingdom of God is built on simple acts of obedience. That's the building bricks of the kingdom of God. We always start small, and then he builds us up. Some of you guys are here, and you think, like, man, my dreams will never come true. God is a God who cares for you, and his dreams for you are so much bigger than anything you could ever imagine. God wants us to be people of mission. You guys are not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. And seriously, like, God has so much for you right now to serve him. He has so much for you. An important thing that I would say to you would be be willing to face your own darkness, be willing to realize that you're a sinner on a regular basis and bring that before Jesus and just repent. And repent's this really like big religious word that we think of like a guy in the street corner going, repent, you sinners, but like repentance just means turn. It's like, oh, I'm going in this direction? Now I'm going in this direction. Bye. Just kidding. You're like, what? That was weird. I know, sorry, I had to do something awkward before I left. Anyway. Um, repentance just means turn. So if you're going in a direction that's not right, just, just turn. Just turn back to the Lord. Just turn. It's not as complicated as we make it out to be. Just turn. One of my biggest regrets is that I never had as much personal time with every single one of you and every single person who's ever been in this youth group. Um, I just... I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have had time to sit down with every single one of you and have like one conversation a week. Like that would have been amazing just to sit down and be like, how are you doing one-on-one? How can I pray for you? Or me in Brooklyn sitting down with you and saying, how can we pray for you? And one thing that makes me sad looking back is like, there's people who are in this group and then for reasons like they got mad at someone else in the group, they left and, and drama And that makes me sad, but I I trust those people to God, and I think of them still as part of this family. And what I realized over the years is, like, I can't save everybody. Like, I can't save anybody. Like, only Jesus can save. Um, There were times where literally, as the youth pastor, I would be looking at this group and you guys when you were younger in junior high, and I'd be looking at all your problems you were going through, and my heart would just break, and it's like, I want to, like, I want to save everybody. Like, I want to, like, go into everyone's problems and fix their problems. And God spoke to me and was like, you can't save anybody, Aaron. Only Jesus can save. And that's the reality. Like, we can't do anything alone. Only Jesus can do these things in our life. (sighs) Recently, like, I've been really, really, like, stressed. Um been working a lot. Like, I've been doing this job, and then I've been working, like, a bunch of side jobs for, like, clients, doing graphics design, stuff I used to do. Because I was looking at, you know, some of you guys know, like, we're going to Oklahoma, and I'm not, like, getting a full-time regular job with, like, healthcare and all that stuff. Like, I'm, I'm literally, like, <laughs> we started a nonprofit, which is, you know, we survive off of people's donations. And then because I don't know if we're going to get donations at this point, like I won't know until next month, I've just been taking all of these side jobs because I'm like, I have to make money because I'm, I'm a husband and I have to make sure that we survive. And seriously, guys, like I took on so much work that I literally like had a nervous breakdown a few, like a, a week or two ago. I was, I, 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 I woke up and I went to work and I worked 
all the way until church, and then I went to church Wednesday night, ran the group, came home from that like an hour after it ended, and got home and was like, okay, it's 10 o'clock, like I, I need to work for like another four or five hours. And I was just like sitting at my computer, and I had this calendar open, and it was like, here's how much money like you need to make to survive. And I was like, okay, here's how many people I'm working for. And I was literally like working for like three people at once, just jumping from like task to task. And I was like thinking about everything that I had to do. And I literally, my chest got tight and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, just short of breath. My head got really light. I felt like I was gonna pass out. And I was like, Brooklyn, like come in here. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. Like, I feel like my body's shutting down. And I was just, I was literally having like this panic attack. And man, just like over the next couple of days and, and weeks from that moment, God has been speaking to me so clearly. And he's been saying to me, Aaron, you don't have to save yourself. Like you think you need to save yourself. You think like, I think like I need to make all this money and do all this stuff because if I don't, like we're gonna go to Oklahoma and just die. And God's been speaking to me and he's like, when have I ever let you down before? When have I ever not come through? When have I ever not been there for you? When have I ever not made things work according to my plan? And God has just been speaking to me about letting go and, and releasing. And, and that's how I feel right now is just this freedom where it's like, yeah, like I wanna work hard, but I don't have to save myself. If, if I don't work as much as I think I need to, God is gonna be there. And I'm so confident in that. I just wanna share that with you guys because you guys right now in school and in relationships and in life, I know you're, you're right there with me. Like it's stressful. Some of you guys have probably had panic attacks this last month. You've, some of you guys have been freaking out about your future. And you need to know that God is right there with you saying you don't have to save yourself. I already did it and I'm with you and I'm for you and I love you. My gosh, I love you so much. He, he loves you. Trust in him. I'll, I'll end with this. First, I'll say, um, we're always there for you guys. Like, please, like, when the new youth pastor comes, like, he is your pastor. So, like, go, go to him with stuff. But if you ever need anything from me in Brooklyn, like, we're there. Like, text us, call us. Like, I always think of this youth group thing as, like, one big family, and I'm just a brother in this family, and now I'm moving, but I'm still your brother. So if you ever wanna talk or need prayer, Text me in Brooklyn, call us. Like, we're, we, you know, 24 7, we're available to you. Like, don't think of it as like, oh, he's dead to us. Like, he's dead. He went to Oklahoma and died in a tornado. Like, that's, yeah, that could happen, but it, hopefully it won't. But we're here for you. Seriously, call, text us. So, the last thing I'll say is this um, I was talking with Evan Wickham, my old youth pastor. See, these relationships continue. Um, and so, I was talking with Evan. And um, Evan taught a message recently at his church that he just started, and it was called The Truest Thing About You, and it was so good. I'm gonna post it on Instagram on, on my story, and you guys should go and listen to it. But um, he was talking about Jesus, and, and Jesus goes, and um, remember when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, and like that dove lands on his shoulder, and God speaks, and is like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Evan was teaching this, and he's like, yeah, at that point, Jesus hadn't really done anything. Like, think about it. Like, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't raised anyone from the dead. He hadn't preached any messages. He was literally just a dude who, like, made bookcases and tables in Bethlehem. Like, he was a carpenter. Like, that's, 
He was just a dude at that point. Like, yes, he was the son of God. But you know what I mean? Like, he hadn't done anything to, like, gain anyone's approval. He, was, he just had basically existed and, and lived and learned and loved God. And God says, I love you. I'm well pleased in you. And I think that's such a great message for us. Even before we do anything, even before we go and change the world and go on the Uganda missions trip and just, you know, save everybody, like even before we do these great things, God loves us just by the fact that we exist. And in the message, he was like, you know, we, we listen to all these different lies about ourselves, but then there's also things that are true. Like if you messed up at some point, if you sinned and you know that and you think that about yourself, that's not like a lie from the enemy. Like that's true. Like you messed up. Or there's other things about us that are true, like, um, you know, you're an athlete, you're athletic. Yeah, that's true about you. Or maybe you're attractive, or maybe you're uh, outgoing, or maybe you have certain skills, a particular set of skills. Um, Liam Neeson, taken? Anyway, um, those things are true about you. But the problem is we tend to take things about us and we define them as like the, the truest thing about us. So if you're a musician in here, you're like, that is the truest thing about me. Like I'm a musician. Or if you're popular, like that is, that is who I am. Like when I think of myself, the truest thing about me is I'm popular or I'm good looking or I'm athletic. Or maybe some of you guys, you, you have negative things about you. And it's like, that's the truest thing about me. Like I'm a loser or I'm whatever. And Jesus says, no, the truest thing about you is that you're loved by God. That is the thing that is most true. Yes, there's other things about you that are true, things that are positive, things that are negative, but that's all just noise compared to the most true thing about you is you are loved by God, you're called according to his purposes, and you're saved. Man, I love that. I love you guys. This is my last message, and I just wanna remind you guys that the most true thing about you is that Jesus loves you. And he desires so much to be in a deep, wonderful relationship with you. And if you're here today, and if you feel like maybe you've lost that, or maybe you feel like you've drifted, as Brantz comes up and sings this last song, just have a moment with God where you can speak to him and you can tell him how you feel. And the reality is, like, his thoughts about you have not changed. His feelings about you have not changed. And so just go to him and speak to him and just tell him how you're feeling. Um, are you, I, I think I forgot to tell you to play a song at the end, right? I'm guessing I forgot to tell you to play a song at the end. Okay, no problem. I'll just stand up here and just sing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's what we'll do. We're just gonna pray. And as I pray, <laughs> If that's you, we can pray together. Sound good? Cool. Lord, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for the time that I was gifted to spend with this youth group over the years and all the relationships and friendships. I'm so excited for what you're gonna do in the lives of these kids, these students, these young men and women after your own heart. Lord, I know there's people in this room who have drifted from you. I pray, God, that you'd remind them today of how much you unconditionally love them. Maybe they don't have their act together, but that's okay. You never asked anyone to get their act together before coming to you. You just said, come to me, all who are thirsty, all who are weary, and I'll give you life. 
Jesus, I thank you so much for your unconditional love that we don't deserve. I thank you so much that you have a plan for this group, for the people in it. I thank you so much that you love them unconditionally. And God, I pray today that you guide them into a deeper relationship with you because we can always go deeper in that relationship. Lord, if there's people here that need to turn from their sin, help them to turn, but help them also to realize that turning from their sin doesn't earn your love. That's not what makes you love them. You love them regardless, unconditional love. Jesus, help us to fall more in love with you because that is the key to life. We wanna practice the way of Jesus. We wanna follow you as our master, but we also wanna love you as our friend. Thank you for loving us first. If there's anyone here who um, feels like maybe they've drifted or maybe they just realize that maybe their heart isn't as on fire for the Lord as it once was, and you just you feel that call and that pull that you just wanna get right and, and you want to get back on track and, and you realize that you don't need to do anything in order for God to love you and so you just wanna respond to that love and say, man, Jesus, I wanna fall more in love with you. If any of you guys are here and you feel that way and you just want me to pray for you really quick, you can just raise your hand really quick and I'll, I'll pray for you. If anyone just feels like they just want to love Jesus more, <laughs> I guess. Um, okay, I see your hands, awesome. Anybody else? Okay. Lord, I just pray for these, these young men and women who've raised their hands, just humbly admitting that their relationship with you could be deeper and could grow. And maybe they've hit a rut. Maybe they're on that roller coaster. They're on the low point. Jesus, I pray that in this moment, you would begin that climb, that climb back up to an on fire, beautiful, loving relationship with you, God, where they're not only receiving your love as they are right now, but they're experiencing it fully and, and giving it back to you. Jesus, <laughs> I pray that they wouldn't have to feel like they need to wait till summer camp to feel that, that fire, Lord. But I pray that right now the Holy Spirit would fall on them and fill them afresh and give them everything they need, Lord, for school right now, for family drama situations, for friendship worries, for problems and questions about the future. Give them everything they need, God, to look Pass those things into you as a lighthouse in a storm. Help them, God, to hang on to you as an anchor of the soul. Jesus, we're so thankful. I just, I pray that you'd bless these people who've raised their hand and fill them with your spirit. And I pray for everyone here, God, that you would help them as they leave today to be so full of your life and love that their parents and their friends would look at them and say, what's different about you? Lord, help them when they fall and make mistakes, which they will. Help them, Lord, to get back up every single time and take your hand and keep walking with you. We love you, God, and we commit all of this to you. In your name, amen.